0: Anyhow, listen, next Thursday night, um, in our culture, the most popular sport is about to kick off. It's called the NFL, the National Football League. Personally, I am a fan, and uh, if you don't know me, eventually you will get to know that your Youth Faster is a huge... Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh man, I love it. Don't you love? Don't you love how sports unites a crowd? You know, I mean, it's it's amazing. But yeah, this is Miss Darlene Taylor's. She let me borrow this. My wife uh, consigned my other one. <laughs> Unbelievable. I come home one day, honey. Where, where's my terrible towel? Uh, I consigned it for money. I was like, God, dog, you woman. No, I didn't say it. So anyhow, um, I'll just lay this right here next to communion, which is probably not good. (laughs) Don't want to scare anyone away from communion. Um, So I'm a big Steelers fan, and uh, one of the things I love about the NFL is that any team can be any team on any given Sunday, okay? No matter how um, great the odds are stacked against one team, it's professional football. I mean, any team can win. Except, you know, maybe the Browns. But, uh, <laughs> but I think of last year in particular. I think of a playoff game. It was between the Baltimore Ravens and the number one seeded Denver Broncos. Okay. No one was giving Baltimore a shot. No one said, "Hey, I think Baltimore is going to win." No, everyone. Peyton Manning—he's—he's he's got his team rolling. They haven't lost in, in a decade. They're going. They're going. They're going to the Super Bowl, right? The odds were so high against the Baltimore Ravens. There was forty-two seconds left in the game. Baltimore had zero timeouts, and they had seventy yards to score a touchdown and tie the game. The odds. That Baltimore would drive 70 yards in 42 seconds and score the game tying touchdown in a playoff game were slim to none. Okay? So if you're a Denver fan, you might want to close your eyes. For the rest of you who enjoy a good underdog story, check this out. Stepping up and throwing deep down the far sideline. Slocked into the end zone. Touchdown, Jacoby Jones. How does that happen in the Denver secondary? That is stunning. With a three-man rush and dropping eight guys. Are you kidding me, okay? 42 seconds, zero timeouts. They throw a 70-yard touchdown pass. You heard the guy, the announcer at the end. Now, if you don't know much about football, okay, a prevent defense, okay, is to prevent a touchdown, all right? Just just making that clear. That's why they call it a prevent defense. They rush three people, and they drop eight, all right? They're thinking that between eight people, they can surely stop them from scoring a touchdown. But Baltimore beat the odds. They beat the odds. A team that literally had no hope. You can see it on the sidelines. The guys were just kind of, you know, heads down, walking around. It's practically over, right? I mean, how are we going to, to, to overcome one of the top defenses in the National Football League and scored a touchdown. They were down, they were defeated. They had no hope. And then after that play, you could see the life. They were recharged. They had a new energy about them. And not only did they go into overtime and beat the Broncos, they also went to New England and beat the Patriots and then they went on to win last year's Super Bowl. They beat the odds. No one saw it coming. No one thought Baltimore would go and win the Super Bowl, but they did. You know what's better than a team beating the odds? Is when God beats the odds in a person's life. I think about myself. I'm uh, 26 years old. I was born in 1987, August the 12th, from a small town called New Market, Tennessee. It's about 45 minutes east of Knoxville. Okay. I know most of you think that Knoxville is east and there's nothing beyond that, (laughs) but there is, and it's my hometown. Okay. I, uh, I live with my grandma and my grandmother, my aunt for the majority of my grade school life. Um, And uh, to give you a kind of a picture of where I lived, my grandma did not have indoor plumbing to the mid to late 90s, all right? So we, as children, would, um, you know, take care of our business in a sinkhole. I know you came to church to hear that this morning. (laughs) But that's how I grew up, you know? that That was my family, that was life. My mom, my dad never were married. My dad was an alcoholic, he, uh, he died when I was five. I never had a father figure. I never had the man, a man take me under his wing and teach me what it meant to love God, how to treat a woman with respect. I never had that. And so I grew up kind of lost, aimlessly wandering around, like a target with no, with no direction. Or like an arrow with no, no target, I guess I would say. And that was, that was my life. And then my grandmother, my grandmother and my aunt are huge, huge um, blessings to me. Because they took me under their wing. My mom was working a single job. Or uh, she was a, a single mom working a factory job, night shift, trying to provide for me. And so she couldn't properly take care of me. So my grandmother and my aunt, they took me under and they, they taught me about Christ. And not only did they teach me, but they lived it out in front of me. And that was huge for me as a child growing up. My grandma, every, every Christmas, she would do things like bake close to 100 pound cakes and just deliver them to people in the community, shut-ins, people who were disabled, People who needed a lift. I mean, she would do that every Christmas. And just to see love in action as a child was huge. But then my mom remarried when I was in fifth grade. Stopped going to church. The influences that I had in my grandmother and my aunt, they kind of diminished. I got into middle school. I started following the crowd, trying to be accepted. Accepted looking for a role model, looking for someone to look up to. And sadly, that's the majority of the children that are growing up in this country, that's what's happening. 80% church, 80% of single parent homes are mothers. Mothers. And that stat was back in 2006. There's no telling what it is now. We have an absence of father leadership in our homes. And the father may be there, but emotionally detached. And that was the case with me. I didn't have a dad to say, son, I love you. And I'm proud of you. But you know what? Our God is bigger than the odds. Our God is greater than the odds in your life. And that's what he did for me. The odds are I should not be standing here preaching this gospel to you. Those are the odds. The odds are I should not have gone to college and got a college degree and stand before you with a college degree. Those are the odds. The odds are I should not be here right now. But because God is bigger than that, I'm here standing before you giving you this message. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning, how God beats the odds in people's life. Romans chapter eight is going to be our scripture this morning. Paul's writing this letter to the church at Rome in verse 31. He says, so what should we say about this? If God is for us, no one can defeat us. If God is for us, some versions say, some versions say who, who can be against us? if God is for us. I think about my wife and I, the fact that God has brought us here to this church. About a year ago, right now, a year ago, I was working for my father-in-law. He was paying me 10 bucks an hour to you know, do whatever he needed. Okay. We just got back from Korea. Finding a job was kind of tough at the time. It was challenging. And so it was December and I was needing something. Okay? I was married with a wife and a son, and we were living with my in laws. All right? I was needing a job, and it was becoming crunch time. And so, what I decided to do well, my wife, she'd sent out my resume to all kinds of churches across the states. I'm talking California, Las Vegas, Nevada. I mean, I know they need Christ there, but it's like, honey, Las Vegas? Are you serious? She, she actually, she sent one to Pittsburgh. There was a Korean church there in Pittsburgh looking for a pastor. I don't speak Korean, but I said, hey, you know, it's in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I thank God's calling. Amen. And so she had sent my resume to all these churches across the states and nothing was happening. Nothing was bad. Biting. And so I did what every man does when he can't find a job. I called McDonald's and I went to McDonald's and I sat down for an interview uh, for a management position and uh, it lasted all but five minutes. And the lady asked me two questions. She said, number one, have you had any restaurant experience? I said, no ma'am. Number two, have you had any management experience? I said, no ma'am. She said, well, we'll we'll get back in contact with you. (laughs) Haven't heard from her since, right? (laughs) And so I was like, oh, God, what's going to happen? I was serving at Long Hollow in in the children's ministry there. And I thought I was going to step into a children's pastor position at the Gallatin campus. That was the thought. That was the plan. I thought that was what, you know, what was going to happen. It turns out the position was more administrative. I feel like God has called me to teach and to preach. And so it kind of fell through. So one morning I was praying, and I basically just just with arms open wide saying, God, I don't understand. I don't get it. You know, what do you want? I'm here. I'm here. What do you want? Help me, Lord. I need some help. And so uh, I got a phone call back in November, last November. Jason Klein, he works at uh, First Baptist Church, a friend of mine from FCA, He said, hey, I have a friend who's looking for a youth minister, Pastor Aaron. He said, are you interested? At the time, I wasn't interested because I thought this long hollow deal was going to work out. And so it was December now, and I sat down on my couch, and I just had this uneasiness, this uneasy feeling. I was about to take a position as a bank teller at SunTrust Bank. Now, can you see me as a bank teller? (laughs) I would be fired within a week for talking to people too long as they drive by, you know? Big line of cars out SunTrust Bank. And so I just, I had this uneasiness about me. I know sometimes you have to take a job. You have to provide for your family. In order to do that, you have to work, okay? That's the beautiful part about living in this country. I understand that. But there was just something. It was like God was saying, hey, listen, don't bite on this. I have something for you. And so I called Jason. And I asked him if Pastor Aaron was still looking for a youth pastor. And he texted Pastor Aaron my number. And he said, Pastor Aaron is going to call you on Thursday. It was Monday. And I'd heard this before, right? I mean, yeah, he's going to call you, all that stuff. I I was just kind of, okay, we'll see. We'll see if he calls. And sure enough, on Thursday, I got a phone call from this desperate man over here. (laughs) Exhausted all his options. (laughs) Called all over the country. (laughs) All of his contacts. And then little old Matt Malone from East Tennessee. (laughs) country's cornbread. And that's who he's left with. But 12 days later, Twelve days later, by the grace of God, here we are at this church. Why? Because God is bigger than the odds. I don't care what the world has told you in the past, how you're not smart enough, and you're not pretty enough, and you're not business savvy enough. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not athletic enough. I don't care what the world has told you. Our God is bigger than the odds, church. You have to believe this. You have to believe this. I think of David, little teenage boy, David, you know? I think, I picture uh, myself, really, as King David, right about my size, about my height, maybe, skinny little boy, you know? If God can take him, And use him to slay a nine foot tall giant. He can beat the odds in your life. If God can shut the mouth of a lion for an entire night from eating Daniel. He can beat the odds in your life. Listen if he can jump in a fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He can beat the odds in your life. But you have to believe him church. Listen you have to believe. Faith. It's impossible to please God without it. You have to trust in him. And he'll take you places you never thought you would go and he will use you in ways that you never thought you could be used. And I see that in my own life. The odds that I, little old country boy from New Market, Tennessee, one red light town, right? You blink, you miss it. The odds that I would travel across this country The odds that I would travel outside of this country, across this world to South Korea and live for two years, the odds of that happening, slim to none. But because by the grace of God, I surrendered my life to him and I said, God, not my will, but yours be done. I opened up my life to him and he took it and he's been beating the odds ever since. And he wants to do the same with you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what pain or struggle you're experiencing. God wants to do the same with you. Why? Because if he is for us, no one can defeat us. Skip down to verse 35. It says, can anything, Paul says, can anything separate us from the love Christ has for us? Can troubles or problems or sufferings or hunger, or nakedness, or danger, or violent death. Now, Paul would understand this. If anyone would understand these words right here, it's the Apostle Paul. Because in Second Corinthians chapter 11, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's defending himself. Because these false prophets have come into the church at Corinth, and they're saying, listen, this Paul guy, this Paul whom says he's a, an apostle of Jesus, he's really not. He's really not who he says he is. So Paul does something that Paul normally wouldn't do. And that's defend himself. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this. Are they serving Christ? They being the false, false teachers, false prophets. Are they serving Christ? I am serving him more. And Paul even admits, it's crazy to talk like this. I normally do not talk like this. This is not how I talk. But because these false prophets are saying that I'm not real, that I really don't love God, let me defend myself. I have worked much harder than they. I have been in prison more often. I have been hurt more in beatings. I have been near death many times. Five times the Jews have given given me their punishment of 39 lashes with a whip. Now let's stop right there. I I just don't want to keep reading. I want us to focus on this. Five times the Jews have given me their punishment of 39 lashes with a, a whip. I did the math for you. Okay. Because if you're like me, all right, math's not your subject. That's 195 lashes. 195 lashes with a whip. All because of Paul's faith in Christ. All because he believed that the one true living God was the truth. And God had a call upon his life, and that's to take the gospel to the Gentile world, people like you and me. And so he took 195 lashes. you talking about beating the odds, church? Paul understands this. Verse 25, three different times I was beaten with rods. One time I was almost stoned to death. Three times I was in ships that wrecked. And one of those times I spent a night and a day in the sea. Next slide. Oof. Oh, it's up there. Oh, okay. I missed it. Man, that was quick. Media lady. Yes, ma'am. Start paying that girl. Verse 26. <clears throat> I have gone on many travels and have been in danger from rivers. Now, I just I just have to stop that there. From rivers. I just picture Paul. I don't know why. I mean, how are you in danger over a river? You know, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to cross it and just get swept by it And You see Paul like, you know. Hands up, going down the river. I don't know. But anyhow, he's in danger from rivers, thieves, my own people, the Jews, and those who are not Jews. I have been in danger in cities, in places where no one lives, and on the sea. And I have been in danger with false Christians. Verse 27. I have done hard and tiring work. We know that Paul worked for himself to provide as a tent maker. And many times I did not sleep. I have been hungry and thirsty. And many times I have been without food. I have been cold and without clothes. Next slide. Besides all this, there is on me every day the load of my concern for all the churches. All that stuff that Paul was talking about, being naked, okay, not having food, being thirsty, being in trouble by thieves, all right, being hurt, being beat with rods and whips. All those things didn't compare to what Paul's about to tell us. I feel weak every time someone is weak, and I feel upset every time someone is led into sin. Paul loved the church. He loved the church. And this was so much more greater than all of that physical pain, bearing the load, bearing the burdens of the churches that God had led him to plant. So if anyone has the right in Romans chapter eight, if anyone understands and can answer this question, can anything separate us from the love Christ has for us? If anyone can answer that question, it's Paul. Can anything separate us from the love Christ has for us? What's the answer? No, nothing. Nothing you and I will ever go through can separate us from the love that God has for us. There's no pain deep enough. There's no wound deep enough that can separate you from the love that God has for you. Listen to this message this morning. I don't care what you're going through. You say, well, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. You don't understand my life. You don't know me. You don't know the pain I've been through. You don't know what I've had to deal with in my life. Yes, you're right, I don't, but I know who does. I know who does understand. Hebrews chapter four tells us that Jesus understands. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the son of God, who has gone into heaven, let us hold on, hold on, church, hold on. Don't you give up. Listen to me, don't you give up. I don't care what you're going through, hold on to the faith we have, for our high priest is able to understand our weaknesses. Yes, you're right. I don't know all of you personally, I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you've been through, but I know that Christ understands. He understands your pain. You want to talk about someone who beat the odds? You want to talk about someone who had the odds of this world stacked against him? Let's talk about our God for a second. 39 lashes he received with a cat of nine tails. The odds of that. And then after after he received those lashes, the odds of him carrying his own cross with help up to Calvary's hill and then to have nine-inch nails driven through his wrist and through his feet to have a crown of thorns stuck placed into his skull and to be strung out upon a roman cross left for dead and the odds church the odds that that same god the same god who put the stars in the sky the same God who put the earth and the sun and the moon into existence, the same God who knows how many hairs are on your head, who knows what you're thinking right now and how many days you have left on this earth, that same God who did nothing wrong, the odds that that God would step down out of heaven into this sinful, wicked earth, go through all of that agonizing pain and torture, the odds of that God forgiving those who did that to him? You want to talk about odds? He did nothing wrong. But he took the sin of this world on his back for you and me. And you don't think God doesn't love you? You don't think he doesn't understand what you're going through? You think God is just up in heaven somewhere in, in space, and sky, you know, playing a, playing a flute or, or whatever this thing I'm playing here, violin? You think he's just up there somewhere, just non-existent, doesn't care about your life? No. If our God can beat the odds, you can. You can. If our God can be tortured and go through pain and suffering, we can. Yes, we can. Because we have a God who has already done that for us. We have a God who's already set the example for us. He's took the pain for us, church. Yes, lift up your head, church. You're a head not to tell. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You have to change the way you think, church. Paul says in chapter 12 of Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. It starts up here. Change happens right here. It starts here. You have to change the way you think about your situation, whatever it is. Some of you are single parents. Some of you are a part of that 80% single parent mothers. Can I tell you something? God's going to beat the odds. Let me tell you something. God's going to beat the odds in your life. I know it's hard. I know it gets tough. I can't imagine being a single parent and raising children. I can't imagine that. But I know who can. I know who can't imagine it. Because we have a God who's already taken the pain and the punishment. You can trust him. You can rely on him. He's going to give you strength to overcome. We are more than conquerors. No one can defeat us when our lives surrendered to God those of you who have children who are disabled and the world tells them either mentally or physically and the world says ah, they're not going to be nothing they're not special they're not unique just kind of cast them off let me tell you something church that's not the truth with our God Mm-mm, not with our God It might be with some false gods or the way this world thinks, but not the one true living God who resides in heaven, who came to offer up his life as a living sacrifice for us, not our God. That child is special. That child is unique. That child is going to be somebody one day. But you have to believe, church. It starts here. You have to believe. I see children in this room. Some of you may not have a a father like me. Some of you may not have a role model. Some of you may not have a hero to look up to, to take you under your wing at night and say, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. You're beautiful. Some of you may not have that in this room, but that's okay. That's okay. You know why? Because our God's an odds beater. He's an odds beater, church. I wouldn't be here if he wasn't. I wouldn't be preaching this word to you if our God didn't beat the odds. He's gonna beat the odds in your life. Be encouraged this morning. Be encouraged. But it all comes down to this last point. It all depends on whose hands your life is in. Whose hands your life is in. Do you have basketball for me? You got that basketball? I brought some helpers. I'm going to wrap this thing up this morning. Come on up here, Max. Hey, listen, I ain't got all day, man. <laughs> hey, I'm on. I'm on the clock. You hurt? You lamping? What's, what's, you all right, man? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, hey, God's going to beat the odds in you, Max. He's going to beat the odds in you. This basketball right here, when this basketball is in my hands, I'm decent. I'm okay. I mean, you know, playing against those students, I can, you know, fade away, get a few buckets, get a few steals, block a couple shots. I'm, I'm decent. But you put this same basketball in the hands of Michael Jordan who's arguably the greatest basketball player ever to walk this earth, and you know what you get? You get six NBA titles, 10 scoring titles, National Basketball Association, the top of the top, the best of the best, 10 scoring titles, and 14 all-star game appearances. On top of that, you get a trip to the National Basketball Association's Hall of Fame. Now whose hands do you want the basketball in? If you have money on the line. But we don't do that, right? We, we, don't, we don't put money on the line, amen? It's for them heathens, boys, them heathens. Penny, it all depends on whose hands the basketball is in. It's the same with your life. Who's holding your life? Are you? Because if you are, you may beat some odds. You may be successful. You may have a good job, have a good life, have some money and have a retirement home. But you know what Jesus says? You're gonna forfeit your soul. The most important part of your entire being, you're gonna forfeit it. But if your life is in the hands of God, if you have surrendered and given up to him, you're gonna beat the odds, the odds of sin, And the odds of death. Will y'all stand with me? If you're getting baptized, you may exit stage right. Pastor Greg, Pastor Greg will meet you in the back. We're going to have a time of response. This is our time. If you want to take communion and remember the sacrifice that Jesus paid for us You may do that. There will be prayer partners in the back if you need to pray. But I just want you to think about something. What pain in your life, what struggle in your life is greater than God? Nothing. Some of you are going through some trial. Some of you are going through some hurt. Be encouraged this morning surrender your life to Christ give it up just surrender lay your life down put your life in his hands and let go because Jesus understands he understands trust him and father God holy spirit do what only you can do father convict lives change hearts And save souls, Father God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.